Mealtime. Maybe it started when we were children. We, we had this thing, well, we ate whatever was put in front of us, and you're probably like me. If we ate what was there and that was just the way it was, I've heard some say you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. We just eat what's put in front of us. We may not have loved it. I'm not a fan of hot beets. I'm not a fan of cooked onions. But maybe it started when we were children. We all have meal items we prefer over others. And not everything is going to be everyone's favorite dish. And, and maybe it manifested itself at an early age. <laughs> and, and maybe now as, as, as adults, there's just some things we don't eat just because we had to eat them as children. I can relate to that. But being picky, having preferences at the dinner table, all three of my children, when they call their mom at the end of the school day, sometime after school, they'll call her or contact her, and invariably, the first, one of the first questions is, what's for dinner? But you know, it's not only kids who can be picky. We all have our likes and dislikes. And this extends beyond a dinner menu. It, it, all ex- it, it, it extends beyond food. Sometimes we might even form an opinion about something or someone without even knowing all the details. That's the problem. That's the problem with picky. Well, what happens when picky is a factor with people and the gospel. I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to catch up with the Apostle Peter following chapter 9 and and the miracles he delivered last time to Aeneas, the, the crippled man. He told Aeneas to get up and make his bed, to move on with life. And then the Lord, through Peter, raised Tabitha, raised Dorcas, that well-loved saint in the early church. He raised her to life after she had died. And when last we saw Peter, he was staying with Simon the Tanner at a house by the sea. Well, Acts chapter 10 opens this morning. There's a man in Caesarea named Cornelius. And Cornelius, he's a centurion of what is called the Italian cohort. He's a soldier. He's a devout man, though. He's devout, and he's one who fears God. He's led his whole household to fear God. And he's made charitable contributions to the Jewish people, and he prays to God continually. He's very devoted. He's a centurion, but he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew, but he and his household worship, and he prays, and and he tithes. So one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he sees a vision. There's an angel of the Lord has come in and he says, Cornelius. And understandably, Cornelius looks at the angel and becomes terrified. As we know, angels, when they appear, don't always bring good tidings. What is it, Lord? And the angel replies, Your prayers and your charitable gifts have ascended as a memorial offering before God. 
Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Peter. Actually, the angel says Simon. That's, that's the Jewish name. Kind of interesting. Simon Peter is staying with a tanner named Simon whose house is by the sea there in Joppa. And the angel leaves. So Cornelius summons two of his servants along with a, a soldier who is devout in the faith. And he sends these three to Joppa to get Peter. Well, the next day in Joppa around noon, as these three men are on their way, Peter, who's staying at the house of Simon, Simon the Tanner, he goes up on top of the house to pray. There's food being prepared downstairs. And the aroma wafts north. The aroma comes, comes up and Peter becomes hungry and, and, he, and he wants to eat. As he's praying, well, what happens? Peter falls into a trance. And Peter sees the sky open up and an object like a great sheet descends, lowered by four corners, and it descends all the way to the ground, and on it are all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. Four-footed animals, crawling creatures, birds of the sky. And this voice says, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Peter says, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. What does Peter mean? Peter has a legitimate concern. And this is why. Way back, when, when God's people were being led through the wilderness by the Lord through Moses, the Lord gave directions about what they could eat. See, they were a people set apart. They were to not live, live like or look like or act like pagan peoples there in the land. And the Lord laid some ground rules out. And part of it applies to food. There's an extensive and detailed list of animals deemed clean and unclean, and it's in the book of Leviticus and in Leviticus chapter 11. And among the unclean are all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. And the Lord would go on to say to His people in Leviticus chapter 20, you shall not make yourselves detestable by animal or by bird or by anything that crawls on the ground, which I have distinguished as unclean. So, so Peter takes pause. And again, a voice comes to him a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happens three times. Sometimes Peter, it seems he hears things best in threes. And immediately the object is taken up into the sky. So yesterday, Cornelius had a vision, and today Peter has one. And as the Lord spoke to Saul on the Damascus road, the Lord now speaks to Peter three times in a way that will impact Peter for the rest of his life and ministry. Because this vision, it's not just about food. 
So Peter is greatly perplexed. What does this mean? And behold, the men who've been dispatched by Cornelius, they appear at the gate. They're calling, they're calling for Peter. So Peter is thinking, reflecting on this vision, and the Spirit says, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. <laughs> I like that. Without misgivings. You know, the Lord knows all about us. He knows each one of us. He knows all of our fears. He, he really does. He, he's telling Peter, don't be afraid. Peter goes downstairs. Says, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And they say, well, Cornelius is a centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man. He's, he's well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. And he has been divinely directed by an angel to send for you. And there's two things. To come to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter invites them in. Peter is a guest, but he brings these guests in, gives them lodging for the night. And the next day, Peter gets up and he goes away with them. Some of the brothers from Joppa accompany Peter. The Lord did say, accompany without misgivings. And I think that Peter probably hedged a little bit on the old trust factor. He seems to have brought along some, some insurance, some bodyguards. And you know what? I appreciate this insight into Peter because you know, there's evidently things with which he continued to struggle. Can we not relate? I, I believe we all have those things with which we struggle. I, I say it like this, they're always kind of sitting behind us in our rearview mirror. We can always see them. So they truck off down to Caesarea. And the very next day, they return to Caesarea, and Cornelius, he's expecting them. I mean, to the point he's called his relatives and close friends, he's got the welcome wagon ready. Peter enters, and Cornelius meets him and falls at Peter's feet and begins to worship him. <laughs> well, that's a tad awkward, and, and Peter helps him up and says, No, stand up, I too am just a man. And Peter's talking with Cornelius. And as Peter enters, he, <laughs> he walks in and, Whoa, there's a lot of people. A lot of people are assembled. Then Peter says something curious. Look at 28. You yourselves know that it is forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. That's a, that's a bit awkward too. <laughs> but it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise to these people. You see, for generations, the reputation of the Israelites has preceded them. Even when Moses was leading the children of God through the wilderness, even before arrival into the promised land, there were rulers and inhabitants of, of pagan cities and towns. They knew who the Israelites were, and they knew whose they were, that they were the Lord's. 
They had a reputation. And the Israelites were set apart to be holy, to be the Lord's people. But with that came a misunderstanding on the part of God's people, a misunderstanding about God's Word. And in their misunderstanding and in their misapplication, what we begin to see on the people of God, we see a a hardness of heart develop toward others, as well as a condescending point of view toward anyone who doesn't measure up to them in their eyes. I'll give you an example. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They have taken this to the nth degree. And that's why the very next words from Peter's mouth change the course of not only the conversation, but for the future of salvation. Peter said, You yourselves know that it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call any person unholy or unclean. Peter is a Christian. He's an apostle who has walked with and talked with and lived with Jesus. He has seen Jesus step across both nationalistic and ceremonial lines for the gospel. Peter has seen Jesus heal the servant of a Roman centurion. Peter has seen Jesus heal the daughter of a Canaanite woman. Peter has seen Jesus heal the unclean leper. And in the eyes of the Jewish people, those are all no can-dos. Those are no fly zones. But Peter has seen Jesus do this repeatedly. And this vision which, which Peter has about food, <laughs> Jesus himself has already addressed food. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said, it's not what enters the mouth which defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. Things like evil thoughts, or acts of adultery, or or other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, slanderous statements. This stuff about food is not new information. What we're seeing is that Peter's big problem is not really food. Yes, Peter, if you remember, he did go down with John to Samaria to welcome the the new body of believers led to faith by Philip the Evangelist. He's done that and happy to do that. However, Peter is still Jewish. And sometimes, it's not just Peter either. (laughs) Sometimes, Cultural strongholds are hard to break. Sometimes these preferences, 
these prejudices are hard to crack open. And that's why the Lord Himself had to give Peter a course correction. You see, Jesus died for all because all have sinned. And as a result, all are welcome to accept the gospel. I didn't say all are saved. Jesus died for all, but not all are saved. There's still the matter of turning from sin. Jesus' first word out of his first sermon in Matthew chapter 4, repent. But Jesus died for all. All have the opportunity to come to salvation. Peter says, I came without raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask Cornelius, for what reason did you send for me? And in the next few verses, Cornelius tells Peter about this vision that he received. And then he says, we're all here present before God to hear everything that you, Peter, have been commanded by the Lord. And opening his mouth, Peter says, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the one who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. The word which He sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing that happened throughout Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism of Jesus, which John proclaimed. And then Peter says this. He he reminds them of what they know about Jesus. And he preaches a beautiful sermon about Jesus. You know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he be revealed not to all the people, but to witnesses who had been chosen beforehand by God. And Peter says, that is to us. And he refers to the apostles. He says, those who we ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And Jesus ordered us to preach to the people and to testify solemnly that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. He's going to be judge. Peter says, all the prophets testify of him. That through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. What an absolutely beautiful sermon on Jesus. Well, Peter is still speaking. And the Holy Spirit falls on all those who are listening, all the Jewish believers, the ones who came with Peter as bodyguards. They're amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on these Gentiles. 
And, and all of these ones with Peter, they're hearing these Gentiles speak with tongues and exalting God, and then Peter responds. Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Remember Acts chapter 2? So Peter orders them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and then they ask Peter to stay on for a few days. What does this mean, and why does this matter for us? Well, we, we have the tendency to be like Peter. We can be picky. And there's a problem with picky. When, when children of all ages are picky about food, they're showing, we're showing our preferences, really. I prefer not to eat that. We're showing our preferences. And the problem with preferences... Our preferences, at the end of the day, our preferences reveal our feelings of entitlement. Yes. Yes. Our preferences reveal those things to which we feel entitled. What do you mean? Well, maybe the Lord wants to challenge each of us and our preferences today. We all have opinions. Like armpits. We all, we all have a couple of opinions. We have opinions about people and places, things, ideas. And we all have opinions with, about these things really in connection with the things of God and His church. And maybe there are times we believe we're entitled to feel those ways. We could fill a menu with our preferences, couldn't we? <laughs> and that's the problem with picky. The people of God don't have a right to feel picky or entitled with matters of the gospel. What did Peter just tell us? You know of Jesus. You know of Jesus, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus was, was put to death on a cross. God raised him up on the third day. All the prophets testify of Jesus, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Peter reminds us in, in verse 36, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus died for all because all have sinned. And as a result, all are welcome to accept the gospel. All are not saved. There's still the matter of turning from sin. That's, that's where it starts. Admitting to the Lord that we're sinners. Believing that Jesus, as God's Son, went to the cross for us and, and confessing that. Mm. 
But Jesus died for all. And all are welcome to accept the gospel. That great old phrase, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners and we all need the gospel.